This is the Horse Radio Network. Can you learn to fall off better? Just think so. Also, have you ever second-guessed your weight or the way you look on a horse? And finally, thoughts on riding with a baby on board. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Magazine, a podcast where three horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to to Happy Hour! I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Caroline Colbertson. And welcome to episode nine of Heels Down Happy Hour. Today's episode is brought to you by Global Warming because it is 80 degrees in October. What actually is going on? It is so hot. I don't know what's happening. Is it hot where you guys are? Yes. It's like 75 degrees every day. It is. Oh, my God. I mean, it was like 90 degrees last week in Florida, but today we have a cold front coming in and it's like 78 outside and it feels magical. Okay. Oh so, 78. It feels like Ooh, the chili. It's amazing. Like my neighbor had a sweater on. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Floridian. Oh my God. Doug's still so in shorts. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm in New Jersey and it was, I think it got up to like, almost 80 today and that's just that's not right we're like thinking- buying buying halloween candy because i'm terrified of the fact that we're gonna have children trick-or-treating because i'm scared of children sorry jess um and there's <laughs> gonna be like children knocking on our door next week and so we're buying halloween candy and i'm in like a tank top that's not normal that's weird i'm I'm pretty sure you, it was 30 something degrees like at night when I was in New Jersey this past weekend, it was cold. It fluctuates. That's the thing. It's like, it fluctuates so much. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, but you know, I think Justine, I think you have an appropriate, uh, good warm weather drink for us. What do you got? Uh, well, it's still a drink on ice. It's uh red sangria. We actually had our housewarming party for us moving in, even though we moved into our house in June, (laughs) just this past weekend. And I made my own homemade sangria and it was like a total hit and I'm very proud of it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And it's actually really easy. So it's just two bottles of red wine, uh, some brandy, some fruit and a little bit of sugar and some cinnamon if you, if you want it. But the key is you put the sugar, the sliced fruit, we used plums, apples, and strawberries oh, and you yum. let the the brandy and the fruit and the sugar sit overnight and it gets like like a syrupy sort of concoction in the fridge and then the next day you add the wine and the cinnamon and it's delicious i would drink oh. just the first part the brandy <laughs> and sugar and you would drink the syrup <laughs> that sounds like a good type of medicine i like that it sounds really good that does sound good um, and where did you get this recipe from? So Alex, uh, lucky for me, like about four months before we got married, became obsessed with watching like reality cooking shows. So he's like his, his God is basically Alton Brown. So we have Alton Brown cookbooks and all of his shows like saved on the D- uh, DVR. So I used Alton Brown's sangria recipe. I love oh, that's Alton awesome. Brown. He rocks. And I love watching cooking shows. I'm, I have like this very strange, inexplicable, but um, like very resistant crush on Bobby Flay. I do not know why. I just think he's like so dreamy. Oh, 
That is the nerdiest thing you've ever said, Caroline. <laughs> and he has an Instagram account for his cat, and his cat's name is Nacho. So his cat's Instagram account is Nacho Flay, and it's just so funny. And just a man that can cook and be funny and has an Instagram for his cat. I mean, sign me up. That guy, he's got it going oh, on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I do love a good cooking show, but maybe not to that extent. (laughs) I hate them, but I like that Alex cooks. So it's like, you know, the trade off. Yeah. I'm the cook. I'm the cook in our family. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I have to watch the cooking shows. Well, you did say that Doug was, I think putting some bread in the oven, but he came in and asked you at what temperature the bread would. (laughs) So like literally want to make sure he didn't burn the dinner tonight. That was like as little thought is like, he has to put into it. He like wants very specific instructions, which is hysterical. Go Doug. You make that bread, Doug. You got it. It was good. That and the enchilada. We made enchiladas for dinner or I made enchiladas for dinner tonight. (laughs) So I can pre-make everything, and then I just, like, basically say, okay, this goes in at this temperature, this goes in at this temperature, all of it goes in at this time, then it will be ready when we're done. And that's how, basically, that's how he helps. So, so no, I mean, I'm very appreciative, so can't can't complain that he can put it in the oven. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Good job, Doug. Go, Doug. He, he's the grill. He grills. I can't grill at all, so he does do that. This episode is presented by EcoGold, leader in saddle pad innovation. Known for their non-slip, shock-absorbing saddle pads, half pads, and protective horse boots. Trusted by Olympians. So, uh, for news, what do you got for us, Jess? Okay, so over the weekend, I was in New Jersey for one of my baby showers. And there was this really funny kind of stool thing at my mother-in-law's house. And it's used for core. And then I saw like something on Amazon that had it as okay, well. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Sorry. I, wait, first of all, I love that you're having two baby showers or more. Yeah, one of showers. your baby showers. <laughs> I thought that meant first three. like multiple babies. Yeah. <laughs> and then two, no. when you said stool, I immediately thought stool sample because that's just how Ew, my brain uh, is. So, so what do you mean by like stool? <laughs> So I meant like a stool. chair that like doesn't have a back. Okay. Oh my right. God. Not like she went into the bathroom and someone had forgotten to flush the toilet. You are such a weirdo. No. I was like, what do you mean? Call, also, you like, call why would that make the podcast? Like, <laughs> I was totally over the weekend. <laughs> That's hysterical. What do you call oh a God. chair that doesn't have a back? <laughs> Apparently, right. for Justine, you have to specify. <laughs> Too many definitions of stool, okay? (laughs) That's a real horse girl right there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Back to the stool. (laughs) Back to the stool. They make, actually, a chair that has, like, stirrups in it. And I didn't know this was a thing. But they have this, like, it's a riding chair, so you can practice your core strength and practice, like, basically getting stronger riding on a chair stool okay so all right so i just googled this and i found it on amazon and there's one that looks like it has a saddle but the one you saw was just like literally a stool that you sit on this, and it's for your core and it's the, yeah and it's a swivel so like it's actually really hard to do so you like sit on it and like it literally you have to have balance and your core strength to sit on the stool because you can't like the get you know we made it a game obviously but 
um, where you couldn't put your feet down and that's how you like had to like, see if you could stay on without like spinning around and everything. But apparently this is a thing. People buy them like as an exercise machine. Is that what, like, it's literally an exercise machine. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Apparently it's an exercise machine for your core. All right. So this this one on Amazon that literally looks like, (laughs) it it looks like one of those bulls you ride on a, in a bar. You know what I mean? Like it has like, yeah, a saddle with these random stirrups, but it um, it's six hundred dollars. Holy, Noli, you could buy a horse for well, you could buy a horse for that. <laughs> I'm not sure you should buy a horse for that much. This one you don't have to feed though. You don't have to feed the stool. <laughs> okay, That's but true. just for a second, Jess, you need to specify for those that don't know who your mother-in-law is. Oh yeah, she, Amer- my mother-in-law is Marilyn Payne, who who is, is also a- the woman that teaches me lessons. Yes, so a- she has she has horses in her backyard, which I think it's so funny that she also had like she's like so dedicated that she also has this in her house. So like she, I don't know how it is- got there. Like I don't know <laughs> if it was a gift. But then there were rumors that there was at one point two of them and that she had one at the barn and like people would practice. I'm, I'm not sure, but I just knew that I didn't actually know it was for core strength. I've seen this little chair stool for like quite some time and what it was till we all started playing on it this past weekend. And it was quite funny to see everybody like I didn't try because I was like, I have no core. I have a belly that has a baby in it instead. So I'm not going to get on that. <laughs> Justine, what is the thing called? Like, what's the Amazon name so that everyone can go? The sales are about to skyrocket from this podcast. Oh, my God. All right. On Amazon, it just says horse riding exercise machine, abs, abdominal, core, training, toner, plus hips, thighs, reducer, stomach. Okay. They need a marketing professional because that is a mess. Um, Reviews on this are pretty funny, too. Yeah, let's hear it. There's also one called like an eye gallop corn ad exerciser. I want to know what the reviews are. Are there good ones? Uh, well, all right. I'm going to read this one that's titled, Not Exactly What I Was Hoping For. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says, There's no way to tell how long it will last with regular use at this point. The motion, even at the warm up speed, is quite fast, like a fast walk on a very small horse. There are more than three speeds at the same four beat gate. I did not notice the muscle burn in my legs, but nothing at all in the abs, which is why I dropped the review another point. I don't even know what that means. I do like the way it helps loosen the muscles in the lower back. Okay. Okay. So she does not think it's very effective. No. Like. no. Okay. Honestly, another one says, I can feel the horse skates. <laughs> so I, I don't like, I'm wondering, are like, are these horse people who are buying this or is this just a random person like, I want to exercise and this sounds great because I could just sit on it. Yeah, I really want to know what the demographic of customers of this company or whatever is. Like, are they actually horseback riders or are they people that want to pretend to ride? Honestly, to me, it sounds like a fun drinking game. That's what. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think we need to convene at Marilyn's house and see (laughs) how many glasses of Justine's sangria it takes for (laughs) us to eat it. (laughs) I think that would be hysterical. Oh my God. Love it. Justine, what do you have for us? Yeah, what right. do you have? So I'm sure you guys have seen the headlines of all the crazy wildfires that are happening out west in California right now. I mean, it's just, it's awful. Uh, was, oh. 
But this is sort of like a lighthearted, uh, a nice news story that kind of has that came out of it. So this woman, uh, she's a nurse. She lives in California. Her name is Lauren Massaros, and she made the Daily Mail in the UK because uh, she only had minutes to evacuate her house in Santa Rosa as the fires were coming in through her neighborhood. And she was able. She has three horses. She was able to borrow a trailer and load two to, two in the trailer. But her mini horse, whose name is Stardust, by the way, and is like a cute little appy fat fuzzy pony um she had no way to transport him so she was able to get him to get into the back of her car by like using a carrot to entice him to jump up so she's got this picture of this cute little fat mini pony in the back seat of her car and it's like a honda accord and it's just this little mini pony like i'm here in the car (laughs) oh my god i love this so freaking much also the fact that it was lured in with food like of that course, is, right? That is the key with many ponies. Like, you're not going to tell them what to do, but you can make them think it was their idea. They're so stubborn, but they're so cute. I love this. And so I know. She, she got away safe, right? Yeah. So everybody's safe. They all made it. All the horses are out. And Stardust is super cute and has this, like, viral internet famous photo now. Stardust, oh, my gosh. You deserve it. You deserve the fame. You're awesome. We love you, Stardust. What about you, um, Caroline? So I have an interesting um, rule change that will be coming into effect um, January 1st, 2018 um, through the Danish Equestrian Federation. So this doesn't really have anything to do with us, but it sets an interesting precedent. Um, So the rule is um, centered around the tightness of nosebands. So the Danish Equestrian Federation has um, adopted this rule Uh, on horses in competition based on a study that reported that there was a clear correlation between tight nosebands and the presence of mouth lesions. Obviously, what do we mean by mouth lesions? Like usually a cut of the mouth, blood in the mouth, um, you know, sores, things like that. So um, the required measurement um, between the nasal plate of the horse, which is like obviously the, the top of the nose, and the noseband has to be equivalent to the diameter of at least one and a half centimeters, which is a little more than half an inch. Um, they did this study um, over 3,000. They studied 3,000 jumping dressage and eventing horses. And they found that the proportion of horses um, that had tight nosebands, they had more oral lesions and the most were dressage horses. Um, so, which, you know, typically the tight noseband debate has typically centered more on dressage horses. So that's not particularly surprising. Um, so typically, of course, the one or one or two finger measurement for nosebands has kind of been the standard. Um, but a lot of people are testing on like the side of the horse's nose. And so this rule would make it so that, um, it's a consistent measurement. So you have to measure between the nasal plate and the noseband to make sure that there is adequate room. So I think that this is great. Uh, I think it's a great way to, you know, prevent, you know, the the people out there that kind of crank their horses' mouths shut via a noseband. So this can definitely make horses more comfortable. Um, I mean, I think it's it's a good measure to take. And it seems like it's, you know consistently um able to be enforced uh especially because they're having you know they're mandating this um certain way of doing the measurements for competition horses so i think this is a good move 
I like this. And this is the Danish Equestrian Federation again. So are they pretty? Are they pretty like progressive compared to other federations? I mean, because this seems like a pretty significant move to be that bold yeah. about. Yeah. This. Well, so it's kind of funny, like the difference in um, you know the different countries as far as just general things about competition horses. So, like for instance, you know, I, some countries you can't clip the horse's whiskers and ears, and you can't pull the mane or you can't pull the tail. There's all these different. Um, you know, welfare measures. And it seems to me that um, they typically are a little bit more uh, progressive than um, say we are. But this is definitely, I think this is a pretty big deal. Um, I think that this is something that a lot of other countries, you know, national federations should look at. Of course, there are rules, um, you know, regarding tightness of the nose bands in a lot of countries. But this I like this because it it just makes it really impossible for horses to have their mouths cranked shut. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that this is a good move. I like it. Flippin' genius! The Eco Gold Flip Half Pad is a one of a kind solution for your horse's comfort and saddle fit, with a rainbow of colors for one side and traditional black or white on the other. The Flip Half Pad gives fun and functional a whole new meaning. Shop for yours at ecogold.ca. All right, guys. So I recently got to ride in these new pair of reins that I really want to talk to you about because they're really unique and I've never really ridden in something quite like them. But uh, what do you guys, to start off, what do you think about the brand Arc Day Triumph ADT? I have no experience with them whatsoever, but I've heard a lot about them. So I'm interested to hear what you thought, Justine. I don't know. Jess, have you, I'm, you've probably ridden every form of tack under the sun. So you probably have some more familiarity with them. Yeah, I actually haven't used a lot of the Arc de Triumph stuff. So I'd be interested to see like kind of how they, I mean, I know a little bit about their stuff and I think we ordered at one point um, a piece for a bridle. They had like this special one, but it, the horse got sold quite quickly after. So we only used it like one or two times, mm-hmm, but okay. um, I mean, their, their leather looks always like really good in their stuff, but I've never used which reins did you use? So, yeah. So I've always sort of drooled over their bridles. They just, you know, for being a hunter, they have such classic, beautiful stitching and really yeah. great quality leather. Like they're just, they're really pretty. So, but what I tried is a little different. So ADT has these, uh, these reins called double, double layered reins, and they actually have three loops on each side and it's a schooling rein, but, um, so it's almost like, two sets of web brains that are tied together with three loops, if that makes sense. Like you could put your hand through it, not that you should when you ride, but you could put your hand through it. Like it's actually like circles, like three loops on each side. And basically they designed these with, uh, Olympian and Krasinski. Hmm, and awesome. yeah, yeah. And so I, yeah, I talked to some of the folks at ADT just cause I was curious to know more about the reins. And they said that Anne's method, I guess, of coming up with these like super ultra grip rubber reins um, was that when she teaches her students, she often has uh, she has them tie their reins up. So to help them find like the best grip, you know, to kind of like shorten their reins and have a better grip. And these new reins, because of the double layer, pretty much do that for you without you having to tie your reins up. And you could just pick a loop and kind of have that uh, stability in in your hold on the reins. So 
It took me a minute to get used to them. The first time I rode, I like hacked my thoroughbred out in them. And it took me a minute to get used to them on the flat. But when I rode over fences, I could really see how this is an excellent training tool. I mean, I don't think that they're legal for any, you know, jumping or dressage because the mm-hmm. loops are a little different. But they're a great training method for home um, to kind of teach you, like, especially for me as an amateur rider, on like where to uh, where my hands should be when I need to like my horse is green and he I need to hold him up. He's like this big lumbering wiggly thing right now <laughs> so it helped me like help hold him up on the reins but still like have a feel of his mouth but still be flexible with my arms but like I had a very secure feel on his mouth well, then you're not lengthening because well I think it's a great idea because then you know a lot of people that I teach or whatever the reins will get too long or they want to get too short so they make that even contact feel without mm-hmm. them losing the reins because if it's in the loop, they get stuck there, you know? So I think it's a great, I don't know if every rider would need them. Like, I think that it would kind of be per rider basis who I'd say would be good and would need them and stuff like that. But that's an interesting idea. Like I really, I mean, I like the concept. So yeah, that's cool. They're a great training tool. You know, like if you have a, like for me, if you have a green horse or exactly if you're a type of rider that it could really help you with a specific issue. I think they're perfect and they're really nice quality. So they are, they've got like that grippy rubbery material on them. So you can have a nice hold. They feature Herm Springer, never rust stainless steel hardware. So they're really, you know, like the hardware is very durable, very nice. Um, they come in black or Brown, so they could fit basically any bridle color you have. Um, but yeah, they were, they were really interesting and something that, like I said, I'd never ridden in before. So it was kind of cool to experiment. So is this the kind of thing that, for instance, if a trainer has a student that they have to 477 times a lesson, say shorten your reins or close your fingers, is this kind of, would that be a training tool for them? Like, does it keep, do you think that you don't have to focus as much on keeping your fingers closed because your reins are going to stay the same length? Yeah, because you actually have a stopper in between each loop. So even if you, you know, like if you're holding that middle loop or the loop closest to the bit and you let your reins go a little bit, you'll eventually hit that stopper and it helps give you that extra secure feeling like, okay, at least I'm not going to lose the reins any further than this specific loop that I'm working on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Did you find that there was like a learning curve with with using them or like, like, did you find that the entire ride you were just thinking about the reins or did you get used to them pretty quickly? I got used to them. It was difficult on, on the flat. It took me a minute to get used to them on mm-hmm. the flat. Like I couldn't figure out cause you know, he's, he's green. I want him to stretch. I want him to kind of figure it, figure himself out when we start riding. So uh, to be honest, I rode him on the buckle at first and then slowly collected him through the reins. But I, it really helped me when I schooled him over fences. That's because gotcha. then I, yeah, I felt secure with where I, you know, where I decided to hold the reins and I knew they weren't going to slip and I could just focus on riding the course and knowing that I had a decent feel on, on his mouth and can help hold him up. Yeah. I, that would be great to have a jumping. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I think that's like, I think that's what they were designed for, but I think if you were a dressage rider, they could be, you could use them to sort of the same concept, just, you know, on the flat. Especially like a lot of kids, like they end up with their rain. I mean, not kids, but a lot of people in general, like the reins will end up like in their lap and you keep saying short and rain, short and rain. So like just what Caroline said is if you had a kid or a student that never short 
you know, always were shortening their reins, it'd be a good concept to say, hey, look, this is how it is. This is how you need to shorten them. So that's interesting. I like it. Justine, you wrote a really interesting article for the October issue of Heels Down Magazine. It was one of my favorite articles of the issue. Uh, it, you wrote a really great article about rider weight um, and kind of studies around that and how it affects horses. Obviously, this is a really touchy and sensitive subject for a lot of people, but why don't you just tell us a little bit about what that article sort of centered on and what you learned from that? Sure. So it really centered on, uh, there's this animal advocacy group in the UK called Animal Health Trust, which is doing a scientific study right now, uh, looking at the impact of a rider's weight on the back of a horse. So if you are technically overweight for your horse, can you physically harm your animals? Basically Mm -hmm. the question they're trying to ask, which, uh, you know, is sort of controversial and, and, and sensitive, like you said, and especially in this day and age where I feel like, you know, people, riders younger than us deal with this, like, cyberbullying crap that I never really experienced when I was younger, but people are, people are re- relentless on the internet. But, and it, it really makes me think of, you know, as women, I'm sure you guys have experienced moments where you look at yourself in the mirror, or you even look at photos from the show and you're like, wow, that is not how I thought I looked at my big butt kind of hanging over the back of my saddle, you know, so it happens, man. And I'm almost 30. Like, I just know those days of like fitting into my little tiny tailored sportsman breeches that I've had for 10 years that I keep saying, like, one day I'm going to fit back in those, you know, like those days are, are not ahead of me. So what about you guys? <laughs> Justine, you act I just like just get like, rid of them. <laughs> you act like you're like, uh, like, honestly, ride to elderly. Like, <laughs> like Man. you're not. My butt old. is getting pretty big, though. It's getting bigger, not smaller. So. Yeah, but big butts are, are great. Take it from me because I, mine is enormous. And I think it's, you know, people like that now. So there's there's something <laughs> for everybody. You, you guys have had this, have these moments, right? Oh, I mean, it's just God, like, oh. for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, I, it's a funny thing because I rode on the um, Duke University equestrian team all four years, which of course is Hansita Equitation. Um, I don't, it's interesting because as an eventer, I never thought about it. But when we would go to shows um, and we would do these equitation rounds and, you know, our team of course had all different sizes and shapes and heights and weights of girls. And we had some guys too, and we'll, we don't have to worry about them, but um, they were completely comfortable with themselves, but the girls sometimes like they would, you know, draw a horse, um, you draw a horse's name out of a hat and that's the horse that you ride. But it was always a very awkward situation when, for instance, uh, a rider went to go get on that horse and they had to say, oh, actually you guys aren't compatible with weight. So for instance, a rider was a bit too heavy for like a smaller horse or a large pony that was being used at that show. And then you have to rearrange and reorganize and find, you know, a suitable mount for um, a heavier rider. And that was always awkward. And it always, you know, I, I don't know another way around it, because obviously, like, like the article that you wrote, Justine, suitability is, is very important. But it really made me realize, like, it made some of those girls really uncomfortable, and it made them really sad. Um, and it was the first time in my entire riding career, which is, you know, is 20 years, um, that I had thought about 
weight um, yeah. as riders. And so it was this like very strange moment. Um, and then I found myself like I was like looking at my photos and I was like a little bit more kind of comparing like, oh, like, you know, I have more muscles than her. And so is she winning these equitation rounds because like her legs are skinnier so you can like see her kind of like angles better and stuff like that. And um, so it was kind of the first time I'd ever noticed it. I never noticed it as an eventer. And even as a child um, growing up in hunter jumpers, I had never thought about it. And I was so lucky to be raised by parents that weight was never a topic in our house. Um, I never knew what like going on a diet was or like you have to like, you know, that a woman's value had anything to do with her weight at all. Like that's not how I was raised. And so it really wasn't until college that I was like, oh, my gosh, people are really consumed with how, you know, they, not even how they actually look, but how they think that they look. And I think a lot of it does come from social media. Um, but also, damn, some of those show photos, especially when you're wearing white white breeches, that is not nice. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's worse these days though, too. I think it is. I think it's worse. Like, yeah, honestly, you know, we were, joking and everything the other day about something that had nothing to do with like weight or whatever else. But I was like, I made the comment. I was like, I'm just so glad there were not cell phone videos when I was in college. <laughs> like, yes, you know, because I mean, we have a bunch of college kids that are riding with us, you know, and they're all over their phones and everything else. And I mean, we're all over our phones, but I, I didn't really experience it that much. Like we always, I always had to worry about basically staying fit and, making sure I was fit enough for my horse to ride at the upper levels. But that was, that's totally different than this whole image kind of thing, because it wasn't really, I mean, maybe I was just kind of naive to it and it didn't really, I never was on like a team kind of thing that it was more with the eventing. You, you don't see it like you said, but nowadays, like, you know, you have the kids that are like, am I too big on this horse? And I'm like, what are you talking about you're not big at all like they are so worried about their weight and you know everything else and am I too tall am I too like everybody's not perfect and social media I think shows you you have to have this perfect image and there's no such thing as a perfect image I mean it's brutal it's 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 brutal for kids and it's like not even based in reality that's the thing that really gets me yeah it is not based in reality how you think that you look and how you actually look can truly be two different people, two different humans. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, if there's like a message, so I I like found an old high school photo of me and I remember it didn't bother me at that time, but I remember like that year of high school being like, wow, I'm just like, I need to lose weight, like all this stuff. And I like saw that picture and I was like, what in the, ever living hell was I actually thinking like why did I feel that way and so it's just this thing of that was so not reality like I was super fit and like in great shape and looked awesome and like I was like oh I think I'm like too fat like ew no like stop like if you feel that way (laughs) I was like so I just like I don't know I think I got over by like working out a little bit more but it was not based in reality is the point like how you think you look and how you actually look can it 
probably doesn't align. Like you're never as fat as you think you are for one. Like I found in my experience and like with all of my friends, you're just, you're never as fat as you think you are. And I think the closer, like kind of like Justine, like the closer I get to 30, the more I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> This is just it. Take it or leave it, Take it or leave it. I've hit 30. Thank you. I'm already past the 30. So old. So terribly old. 33. But I do think think certain disciplines, it's more brutal than others. Like like you said, Caroline, having grown up doing the hunters and the equitation, I mean, those... The pressure those girls put on themselves is just like, just go out and ride your horse. You know what I mean? Focus on the ride. Stop paying attention to to the stuff you can't control. You know, like, who cares what people think you look like in this weird freeze frame of a bad angle of one fence? You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the other thing is you cannot pick apart still photos of yourself. It is not reality. It is not how anyone else that day thought that you looked, that is a distorted reality. It is, it could be your worst angle possible. Like you do not look that way walking down the street and like you need to realize. And also let's face it, like horseback riding doesn't exactly put you in the most flattering position. Your legs are spread apart. You're sticking your butt out. Like you're usually like halfway like hunched over being like thrown off to the side of the horse. Like it is not your best angle. And so to compare a photo of like yourself riding and a photo of an Instagram model is that's ludicrous. Like that's so asinine to do because it's those, those social media accounts, that's all they do is work on how they look. And also you don't like that girl took that picture 55 times before she found the angle that she felt worked best with the filter that, you know, blah, 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 that made that work. It's like, you got to remember the crazy crap people do on for social media. Right. It's not real life. It's not real. It is not real life. And if there's like any message that I can get out there to anyone that feels this way, it is this, the older that you get and the more years that you spend on this earth, it will get that part of you will dissipate and it will get better and you will start to feel more confident about yourself. I, you know, the more that you view riding as a sport too, I feel really helps because you think about yourself more as an athlete and a machine. And this is the healthy food that I have to eat to fuel myself. And it less becomes about aesthetics. Um, so it does, it does get better. I mean, I know that those teenage and college years can be so brutal on some girls. You're not always going to feel that way. I promise. These are three grown women that are telling you yeah. this. <laughs> you just grow up and you give less shits. You know what I mean? It's like you care less about what other people think. So it just doesn't matter. And it's it's very it's very freeing once you get to that point. Because you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> you know? I, I better think people to worry say about. that. But. What I always thought that that meant was that you cared less about the fact that you looked bad. And I think that the thing that I want to drive home is that you don't look as bad as you think that you do. So you can learn to care less about it, but also you're your own worst critic. Nobody views you the way that you view you. So yes, you can care less about the way you look, but also you look better than you think you do. So Well, no, and I don't mean it. You care less about the way you look. You you care less about 
your own perception to like other catty. people. Like yeah, I care about how I look. Of other person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the but I, I of other people. Yeah, I care less sure. about like I'm less self conscious. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people are self conscious <laughs> of the way they look because of what other what they think other people are gonna think of them. Like I at I'm gonna be 30 in February and I don't care what other people think of the way I look. I know I look good with my big butt. Even though I won't fit into those tailored sportsmen's anymore, you know? So that's what I mean by that. It's like, that matters less. It does matter less. And you find your, you know, you other things become much more important, such as being successful in your relationships, in your career. And uh, there's just other things that take precedence. But for some reason, when you're a teenager or like even in your early 20s, I mean, honestly, it can happen at any age. I'm not singling it out. It just seems to be most predominant. Uh, for oh, that yeah. age group. You know, it's other things take up your energy as you get older. When you're that age, you don't have that many things to worry about. So it's really easy to have your entire mind and energy fixated on, oh my gosh, I have arm flab. No. Right. Yeah. So it does get better. That's my message. All you little panda bears out there, don't worry too much. So, Jess, I saw this video of you and Doug the other day on the Heels Down Mag Facebook page, and you guys were talking about Landsafe, which I've never done, but I've always thought it looks super cool and super interesting. So, can you tell us more about it? Um, Yes, it was awesome. I actually had no idea what I was getting signed up for and everything else because Doug actually signed me up for this clinic, and he he and Danny Warrington were talking. Danny and Kelly Warrington are the ones that started Landsafe. And they started this basically as a tool to teach people a better way to fall. So they're not teaching you to fall. Like they're not saying, oh, you need to fall. You need to always fall. But in the event that you're going to go down with your horse, they want you to separate for the horse. They don't want you to fall with it. So where the horse tumbles on you or, you know, you get rolled on or whatever else, they want you to roll away in a safe manner and not as I used to fall lawn dart into the ground. And so, um, I probably was one of the worst fallers on the planet. That's what Doug used to say. And so, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I just, I didn't, why, no why were you me. not falling correctly? Like, what did you do? What's the, what's the wrong way to fall? Okay. Well, I mean, at first I used to like Superman it and stick my hands out <laughs> and then they're like, don't put your hands out. So then, <laughs> then one time I didn't stick my hands out and I literally stuck my hands next to my body no attempt to roll away and like lawn darted into the ground, like it torpedoed. And Doug's like, what did you do? I said, I stuck, I didn't stick my hands out this time. Oh, like, my oh no. Head in the ground. I'm like, well, so I, I used my face to, to break my fall. It's <laughs> I used my collarbone that time. Um, oh. And then the one time I was like, okay, I like, it was so slow motion. The horse like tripped. And then jumped really high, jumped me out of the tack. Like, I mean, it was just like one of these like bad kind of like slow motion falls. So like I was in an in and out and he like hit a bit of a hole, like created it, fell and then got himself out of the way, jumped the oxer, which then catapulted me in the air. And then I land back on him and I'm like, oh, I can, I can save it. And I've got this, um, device that like is talking to Doug it's like a C coach is what we use and I'm hooked up to like a mic and it's on the back and I'm like oh I got this I got this I'm going to show him I can fall this time slow motion I'm like rolling off the horse and 
I, I didn't know that you had to roll with like a round back. Like some of these things that I've never, ever been taught because. Wait, what? You Did you not realize that like sticks don't roll, that balls are roll? I don't know yeah, that either I kinda, though. I would just, I, I would just I eat dirt too. I like a box. Yeah. And I <laughs> rolled, I went, nope, nope, didn't actually like this. <laughs> that went into the analogy when I was falling. And so I went right onto my back and like splatted oh. on the ground. And I'm in so slow motion. My horse stood there like, cause I mean, he was like, we were going to hit a fence line. So he darted left and I went right. And then he was like, Oh, this is not good. So he stopped. Um, and I literally was like trying to hang on. It was like so slow motion. The sea coach is on my back and I splat and I just start like, uh, like making this horrible noise. And Doug just goes, are you okay? He's not here. Oh, no, because I landed on my back onto the device and I literally had like a bruise and he's like, you didn't even try to roll. I said, well, I did, but I was like flat backed into it. So long story short, after he watching me a couple times, like just not do anything. And he vaulted as a kid. So he was taught like all of this. I was taught to not fall off. Like I rarely do. I want to fall off. I mean, guess nobody does. So he signed me up for this clinic and he says, you've got to learn. Like they've got to be able to teach you something because this is horrible. So they actually break it down very nicely into gymnastics, which I didn't really do as a kid. So you learn to roll. And the first time, sure enough, I go to roll down this little hill. I have my flat back and I got stuck. And they're like, <laughs> what is happening? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so oh. I was like the one that had to break down to the basics. And then by the end, they're like, oh, see, you keep rolling away. And I'm like, oh, no one told me that. Like, I didn't know any of this. I had no idea how to fall. So I spent two days learning how to roll. And I know this sounds dumb, but like, I had no idea. I had no idea, like, what you're supposed to do with your hands, what you're supposed to do with your body. And they break it down very simple. And they keep repeating, like, sticking your hand, you know, their whole philosophy is like to protect your face. And so you have all of these different tools that they teach you. And then in the end, they put you on what is like a mechanical horse. It is a mechanical horse that goes forward and backwards. And Danny drives it and says, look, you know, if gravity's going to take over and your horse is going to tip, what do you do? And it's on this big air mattress thing. And you practice the role that they taught you on the ground off the horse. And it was incredible. I loved it. And so, No. No. It wasn't scary to do that because I've seen it and, and they kind of like shoot you off this horse, like into this giant, but air you literally, thing. you start, it's not scary. I mean, it does probably look that, but I'm telling you, you start at the very basics of like rolling on a flat mat. Then you go to an incline, then you go to the trampoline. Like they break it down so well that you have rolled so many times. That okay. once you go, it's kind of gets natural. So and you slowly think, work up to that point, basically. Oh yeah, big time. Like, cause there's no <laughs> way I would get on the horse and be like, oh yeah, I can fall. I mean, I just told you all the horrible stories of that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I know that. You know, it took two, and it's full days. Like it's two full days. They make you the first day. You don't even get on that horse. The first day you are on the mat. 
keep doing the mats. And then the second day they start you again and then you go to the horse. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just imagining like what somebody that's like happens to walk by this clinic if it's happening. I bet they're like, what in the ever living heck are those people doing? (laughs) Like they're just like a bunch of adults like rolling around on the ground. Sounds fun though. I would like to try it. Um, So do you know some of the upcoming dates for the clinics that they do? So they are on in the West Coast right now, and they're doing Temecula, California, the first of, well, actually, October 31st and November 1st. Then they go to Woodside, November 11th and 12th. And then they go out to Oregon um, on the 19th, 18th, 19th. And that's their December schedule. But you can find a list of all of their dates on their website and sign up that way. Um, it's landsafe equestrian.com well everyone should check that out it sounds like a really good resource to have and i've never been taught how to fall well and even doug learned a ton um he i mean like i said he vaulted and everything and he came and did the clinic as well the second day and i think honestly we're actually going to go back when they come to aiken because as like a refresher to kind of keep yourself like Mm -hmm. i think for me i'm not going to have the instincts yet to say, okay, I'm great at this. So I think everybody can go back. And I think it's important to say, look, even if you think you're a good faller, you don't think you're a good faller to keep practicing and to have just a different skill set to say, look, I'm going to protect myself in the case that I get into a sticky situation and I'm going to go down. Not very good. So I think everybody it's important. I mean, I'm a huge advocate for it because of what we saw come out of the two days. Like you saw, like you said, amateurs go to it. Professionals could go to it. Kids can go to it. They did a lot with the um, young riders as well. So, I mean, I'm, I really encourage everybody to go to it because there's not one person that I think couldn't benefit from it. Heels Down Magazine is your one-stop shop for all things equestrian. We put the freshest stories right at your fingertips in our digital magazine. From the latest news stories to useful riding exercises, we've got every rider covered, all without ever having to put down your phone. Download the newest issue today on iTunes or Google Play. So Jess, I'm curious to know, first of all, we need an update on baby pain. And secondly, uh, I want to know how you have decided if you're going to ride at all, what horses you're going, like what level of involvement do you have with your horses right now? Are you completely cold turkey, no horses? Or are you doing some stuff? First of all, baby pain is really good. We named him Hudson, actually. His name Aww, is Hudson cute. William Payne. Love it. So, Such a good name. Yes. Yes. I had to check up. He is doing very well. Um, and, and I'm they're almost 32 weeks. So wow. into my third trimester. Yeah. So getting there. Um, and as the riding part, it kind of was just a personal decision between Doug and I that we talked about before I got pregnant about what I do, what, you know, level of involvement, all of that with the horses and everybody's different. I mean, I have friends that are riding seven months pregnant and they, you know, are competing and they're doing everything. And just for us with the added risk, um, we chose for me not to. So I rode probably till I was like five, five and a half months pregnant. And honestly, I rode like I, you couldn't tell I was pregnant. So I had my riding pants on 
you know, I could button them. I wasn't in, you know, I wasn't wearing Spanx or anything to like hold my belly in or anything to make things fit as I was, I just didn't look pregnant. So for me, as I was like, it's still in my pelvis. And, and if I fall for some weird chance that I'm not falling on my stomach on him. So that kind of is what played a little bit of a role into it. And then by the time I was like five and a half months, um, Doug had had, Doug had broke his collarbone and I wasn't jumping during any of the time I jumped till I was three and a half months pregnant and I'd only jump two of my horses. Um, I wouldn't jump my four-year-old at all that I just imported. Um, I would jump my parents' horses. I would jump, um, Doug's Grand Prix horse over like little bitty things like exercises. And I jump my preliminary horse. And I'm talking like max I was jumping was like three foot just to kind of keep myself not from being bored. And then as time went on, I, um, I did jump some of the horses when Doug had a broken collarbone. I jumped a couple of the ones that we, you know, the Van Diver horse, same thing. I think I jumped him like three, three or something like that, just to keep them going. Uh, I was further along at that moment, just because we were in a situation that we had not predicted. So we did talk about it and I jumped a little bit. My mom was probably not so happy that I jumped that day. I jumped one day. And so, um, other than that, I, at about five and a half months, um, we hired a rider, uh, to come ride a bunch of my horses and ride my sets and everything. And she has been incredible. I uh, love, love the fact that she came in and has done a great job with my horses and everything else. And with the ones that I was riding, um, like our jumpers and of Doug's. So that kind of gave me some peace of mind to say, okay, look, I can step away. So from that moment, it's probably been about a month and a half. I haven't been on a horse at all, not even to walk it. And just kind of Doug and Hunter is her name. Um, took over and our working students ride as well, but they Hunter and Doug are the two main riders and they kind of took over um, everybody. So it's, and it's do kind you of find, different. Do you find that you're going crazy? Like you cannot wait to have the baby and get back on horse or are you just kind of kumbayaing through it? Uh, just kind of like going with it. Um, I've lunged a couple of them, uh, that needed to be lunged. Uh, it's not been, it's not been as hard as I thought it was going to be. Honestly, it's, it's weird. You know, I have one horse that is not competing and not getting ridden. I just turn, I call it, he's on maternity leave. (laughs) My preliminary horse is on maternity leave, we call it. And he is definitely looking, looking a lot more pregnant than I am. So, I think it will be fun to have him come back with me so yeah. he won't be fit and everything. So when I feel tired and I'm like, oh, I just want to go for a walk, he'll probably feel the same. <laughs> so I and think how are, that. How are you feeling like overall at this point in your pregnancy? Do you, because first of all, for anyone that hasn't seen Jess, she, from the back, you would never tell that she's pregnant. You only have this tiny little precious like baby bump. You don't look pregnant anywhere else. Like you're having that pregnancy that I think most women hope or wish that they had. I know. Seriously. Well, it's like envy worthy. Well, <laughs> you're doing and, and a great job. Being pregnant. That's part of the problem too, is when then people ask, like they, not that they secretly are hoping that I'm saying I'm sick or whatever else, but I'm like, Oh, um, 
like real reluctant to be like, I feel totally fine. I don't feel pregnant. I don't have any symptoms of pregnancy. So I think that's been awesome. So I'm like, oh, this isn't really, I mean, not that it's not hard, but I, I just have like a belly and I have no cravings. I have, I'm not really, I mean, I haven't had time to really be tired because we've been on the road. Like I think for the last four weeks we were home for maybe 36 hours and it was, oh my you know, to pack my bags and get going again and do some laundry. But, um, I'm thankful because of our crazy schedule that I haven't been feeling really, really terrible that I've, I feel the same, honestly. Like yeah. I'm like, Oh, no worries. Like I'm a little tired, but I'm always a little tired. I love naps. Like, I guess that's part of it too, is I am like the world's best napper. Like I could take a nap <laughs> every day and be incredible. I'm like, yes, we nap. No problem. Yeah. You're definitely super lucky to have that kind of pregnancy experience. I know some women and some of my, you know, friends that are riders have had terrible sickness, you know, not even just in their first trimester, but through even oh, the majority throughout. of their pregnancy. So you're super lucky, but we're, that's good. Like you shouldn't feel like embarrassed about that. Like, you know, that's, that's a, a good thing. Like we're glad that you're not oh, feeling yeah. terrible. And so, okay. When is your due date? I'm due. Oh, poor Hudson is due on December 22nd, like Christmas. Oh, <laughs> like, that's the best Christmas sorry. present ever. Aww. Yeah, no, but I feel bad that he's going to get shipped to like birthday Christmas get combined, but Somebody I mean, had a I, my birthday is January 2nd, so I've dealt with that for 27 years. And, yeah. you know, you get over it. Somebody you just got to condition them like, young to have low expectations just from the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> you just need to understand, kiddo. Like, it's all just going to happen at once for you. Like, cool it. Well, <laughs> the, other good, the other good point somebody had was I'll always, he won't be at a horse show. So when, True. you know, some kids, yeah. if you, if he was born in like September or something like that, oh my God. you probably would always have a birthday at a horse show. And now December he's, we're not at a horse show in, you know, late December. So he gets to have his birthday at home, which will kind of be nice. Yeah. About him. So. Okay, guys, it's that time. It's Rosenthorn time, my favorite part of every episode. Um, okay, so Rosenthorn, for anyone new to the podcast, is the rose is the best part of your week or the thing that you're most excited about. And the thorn is the biggest pain in your ass. So, Jess, what's your Rosenthorn this week? Mine's probably the same thing, if that makes sense. Um, my rose would be... It is my birthday this weekend and I, yeah. So Doug and I are going back to Nashville uh, this weekend for my birthday, which will be exciting. Uh, I get to see my family, my sisters and my aunts and everybody. And then the thorn part would be not that it's that bad, but I have to drive again. I'm leaving for the hundred time. God, you are never home. No. So that's the thorn is that I have to drive seven hours. Not that I'm like really complaining about it, but that would be my thorn as I'm driving my mom and my aunt tomorrow to Nashville. So not that that's bad, but that would be my stick in the thorn this week. Cool. Justine, what about you? Justine, what about you? Hmm, Let's see. I am headed, my rose, I guess, is I'm headed to hot springs arkansas yeehaw for the weekend um for a journalism conference which uh 
It's actually my favorite conference of the year. It's the Journalism and Women's Symposium. So basically, I just get to drink wine with a bunch of badass feminist journalists all weekend in a place that's kind of pretty. Um, and hopefully we'll get some fall colors, which is exciting Heck for me yeah, since I live in Florida. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and my thorn is that afterwards I'll have to go back to work on Monday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not what about bad. you, Caroline? Caroline? Caroline, what about you? Well, I think everyone probably knows what my rose is. Uh, I yes. got engaged over the weekend. Um, so that was super exciting. Um, I've been with my boyfriend for a long time. Um, and it was a beautiful weekend. We were on a hike and he, um, proposed while we were on a hike with my dog. So he made my dog part of it. If you make my dog part of anything, I will say yes to no matter what. So, (laughs) so that was fun and exciting and our families are really excited. And then my thorn. Oh, can I just not have a thorn this like I got engaged this weekend. Like I'm not I don't I think you can skip your yes. thorn. Yeah, you can thorn. skip a thorn. <laughs> like, I feel I feel like a real jerk being like complaining about something stupid when like I just had like a fairy tale weekend. So yeah, um, I don't I, have I think you get a pass. You get a pass. <laughs> awesome. And okay, so for our mailbag this week, um, so Anyone that wants to ask us a question that we will read on the air. Um, some people have also just sent us messages um, that are not questions. We like that too. Uh, you can send an email to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Um, or you can always, you know, Facebook message, Instagram message, tweet at us, all the things. We're everywhere. Um, so we had a question. Uh, is 31 too old to be a working student? Or what do you recommend for an adult rewriter to do to follow their pro-eventing aspirations? Okay, 31, first of all, you're a badass. Second of all, no, 31 is not too old to be a working student. Jess, why don't you weigh in on this one? Uh, I definitely do not think 31 is too old to be a working student. I think you can learn at any age, um, especially in different programs, suit different situations. And so absolutely not. I think you reach out, find the program that would work best for you because in any age, different programs are going to work for different people better in different situations. So absolutely not. And, you know, congrats. Like, I think absolutely is a great thing to come back and say, Hey, look, this is what I want to do. I think it's one of those things that as you get older, you know, adults have so many different types of responsibility that there's a little bit of guilt, I think, associated with investing in yourself. Um, And I think that that plays, because I've seen this question before, or like, you know, people writing blog posts about, you know, being an older working student and how they would love to do it, but they just couldn't because, you know, of X, Y, Z reasons. And um, I think, like you said, Jess, I don't think 91 is too old to be a working student. I think, you can learn at any age. Don't feel guilty about, you know, this is your one life that you get to live. So I think you shouldn't feel guilty about investing time in yourself, doing something for your education, for your betterment. This is the only shot to do it. And I can't imagine any farm discriminating based on age. As long as you're a hard worker and you're willing to learn, I feel like there is an opportunity for you somewhere. Oh my gosh. And so many professionals need good working students. Honestly, 
I don't know, Jess, maybe you could speak to this since you're a functioning professional that have people coming out of their farm all the time, but I would probably prefer an older working student than, you know, somebody that's like 14 or 15 because they know what responsibility is like. And they maybe just, I don't know, maybe they're a little bit more organized and kind of like have their act together a little bit more like they're an adult. And like, so I think, and I think every advantage, yeah, every situation is different where like, I think absolutely, you know, sometimes there's benefit to having somebody that's a bit older. They know what their goals are. They know exactly what it is. Um, and they can go to that program and say, look, this is what I want. I know my time frame. I know, you know, I can be here six months. I can be here a year. I can be here, whatever it is. And this is what I really want to do. Whereas sometimes a lot of the kids don't know yet, you know, that's kind of an interim thing before they go to college, before they do this that absolutely i mean there's strengths to having both but i mean at 31 absolutely i mean i like i said i don't think that's too old and i don't think it's there's ever an age limit that's too old and then she says or what do you recommend for an adult rewriter to do to follow their pro eventing aspirations i think a working student position is great um i was a working student for over a year and it was truly it completely changed the way that I am able to ride a horse. Um, and I th- so I think that's a good option. And there's also, if you can't go full blown working student, contact a trainer that you like and say, can I come work, you know, help muck out stalls on the weekends or help ride sets on the weekends, you know, to pay for lessons, something like that. Like there's, if there's anything to be said for this industry, it's that people will help you learn how to be a better rider and how to be a safer rider. And because that's in everybody's best interest, right? So reach out. There could be some sort of, you know, there can always be opportunity. I think if you kind of find it for yourself and make it. So there's all sorts of situations, just like you said, um, even if it's not a full seven day or six day a week um, working student position. If you enjoyed this episode of Heels Down Happy Hour, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, Leaving us a a review and a rating is super helpful, and be sure to subscribe so that you get our episodes every time that we download one or upload one. I guess we upload them and you download them. Um, And you can also check out Heels Down Magazine. It's an interactive digital magazine on your phone or tablet, so you can take it anywhere. And you can download Heels Down Magazine on iTunes or Google Play or check out our website at heelsdownmag.com. We release episodes of Heels Down Happy Hour on the second and last Friday of each month. And did you know that you can get the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone? Search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free, which we love, and it's super easy to use, so there's no excuse. So guys, what are we cheersing to this week? To your engagements. 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 Oh, I'll cheers to that. Okay. Yay. Okay, guys. <laughs> to you and your new fiance. That's a weird oh, thing to say. That's, it will be fun to say. It will be fun to say. Uh, okay, thanks. I'll cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.